Why do we model in economics? Let's take a very simple example of government spending here on the y-axis and looking at the way it affects local investment here, which we call, which we call K. So government spending, local investment. We look at a bunch of counties or countries or whatever. We plot them, da da. We draw a line through them and we say, voila, the board government spends, you know, in projects, whatever, procurement, the more local companies will invest. And, and look, the data are objective. They speak for themselves. There's no crazy interpretation thrown on top. It's pure. The problem with this approach to thinking about economic problems is that it's not pure at all. This, any economical problem suffers from the black box problem. And what that means is that, okay, we see government spending going in, we may see local investment going out, but we have this whole mechanism. You know, think of it like uh, these old time machines with the grinds and the levers and the wheels. There's all these things turning around inside the black box that we're not able to see. We only see something go in, we only see something go out. And so, you know, if, if we have the chance to look inside the box, we say, okay, well, there's government spending, but, you know, maybe it's economic growth is causing some kind of local development. Maybe people are moving into the area. And so we have this kind of private, uh, private sector increase in output, which then demands or encourages private sector investment, which then goes into private sector output. So it's not at all clear that this government spending is somehow manipulating private sector investment. It could very well be the case that this government spending, you know, goes in the black box. Maybe it has an effect on output. Maybe output, well, it's definitely measured by government spending. And so we have all of these different possibilities and we don't know if there's really a link or not between this government spending all the way over here and this private sector investment. So we see that the problems that we have with just drawing uh, data, you know, uh, government and investment, is that there's these secret influencers, right? There's the economic growth itself, there's immigration, there's other topics which we'll talk about. Economists use the fancy uh, jargon of omitted variables. It just means something that you didn't take into account when you first drew that graph. The second is also common sense. The second problem of endogeneity, we call it endogeneity, or reverse causality. And what that means is that, well, maybe, you know, an increase in local investment is in generating tax revenue and encouraging government then to be investing in that area. So it's not that it, private sector investment is explaining government, but government is explaining private sector investment, and we simply don't know which, which way is which. And the third reason is, well, maybe there's persistence in this investment. Maybe I is not caused by G, Maybe I is caused by I, which is caused by I. We invested this much, we invested last much, uh, this much last month. We know that our machines are depreciating. So maybe there's nothing else to this story except it grows as it goes. And so we say, okay, let us, you know, draw 
another one of these variables, immigration and government. You know, we draw them for the, the areas. We get this little line. And then we draw this immigration for private sector investment. We have different counties. We draw a line. And so we see, okay, well, government spending is actually working through this immigration channel that, you know, we didn't really think about at the beginning, right? We just, grew, we just drew this, you know, this general graph and we said, voila, uh, government spending has this effect, but if you don't look at the people at immigration, you've completely lost the plot. So why do economists love models? Uh, you know, and by models, you know, you think of it as just drawing boxes and arrows, right? Uh, some variable, some issue, something causing something else. You know, consumption then leads to investment. You know, people want more bread, so bread makers invest more in their machines. Investment causes more investment. I won't go into that. Government spending may be causing this through a host of ways, uh, you know, foreigners, exports, imports, sending bread abroad, uh, knowledge, new bread making, uh, people love different varieties of bread, um, you know, maybe there's uh, monetary effects, you know, if you're a monetarist, then you may not really love this whole real economy uh, explanation and say, no, it's about, you know, the Federal Reserve or the ECB. Or, you know, if you're an old-timey uh, Scottish Enlightenment thinker, you know, well, savings, we have to look at savings, you know, savings investment, even though the two are, you know, by an accounting identity related to each other. And I've actually seen where people try and explain savings and investment and not realizing that they're just an accounting identity of each other. So which one of these models do we use, right? We... We were talking about these kind of economic uh, variables, but there's whole other disciplines and whole other communities which say, no, we have to look at social structure. We have to look at how people congregate in order to know how they invest. We have to look at history, historical lock-in, right? Uh, what is it? Frankfurt's always gonna be Frankfurt. Uh, New York's always gonna be New York. Maybe, you know, you're an old-time German economist and you just believe that people love work. And so there's this invest, investment occurs because of some deep-seated cultural principles. Or there could be just some other factor that we don't know, but there it is and it's leading to investment. Now, we don't know which one of these approaches to use. If you run a regression, you know, okay, yeah, that's true, that's true, that's significant. So what do we do? Um, and for, an, for economists, boxes and arrows are an explanation for these alternative, alternative views of the world. They are the way that we explain the regression. Regressions do not speak for themselves. Data do not speak for themselves. We need some kind of way to say, you know, well, you know, here's government spending. What mechanisms, what channels does it use? And are they, do they actually exist? Are they valid in themselves? Um, so let's consider this, you know, and one of these ideas I just mentioned, this 
endogenous growth theory, this love of discovery. You know, maybe let's think about Silicon Valley and there's a group of people there and they love to discover things, not because the government is, you know, pumping them with money, but because they just love to discover new things. And so if you believe this story, then it's not government, which is government spending, which is encouraging investment. It's this love of discovery, which is causing an increase in government spending, causing an increase in investment, causing this increase in migration. This is the kind of secret, unexplained, omitted variable that, you know, if you simply plot government and investment, you know, you see a positive relationship, but actually there's this other variable, love of discovery, which is pushing both of them. And no regression is going to tell you this. So that's the reason why we love models. Now, in the social sciences, you're going to see 90, 90, 95% of the papers throwing things into regression. And I won't explain what regression analysis is. It's Think of it just like putting dots on a graph and drawing a line through them. And so the view is, is that, look, we just shove a bunch of variables into this slot machine. You know, consumption, investments, whatever. You know, you pull, you pull the handle and out comes ding the truth. And so people just throw in these variables. They say, look, there's some kind of relationship we have to control for. And that just means, you know, we're removing all these ways that variables influence each other. And we're going to get some slot machine view of the social sciences, throw in the variables, get out the truth. The problem is, is that it's that nature is not linear and it's not additive. The regression model is not the way to think about economics or the social sciences. You know, in a very simple example, you know, you can think about labor, labor being made bigger by this love of discovery, okay? It's not made bigger. It's not like, you know, a love of discovery adds two or three extra workers. It actually makes the worker bigger, more powerful. It has this snowball or geometrical effect. And anytime you have this, you're going to have a very complicated type of regression analysis. So it's not that you're simply, you know, uh, taking workers and, and adding the uh, capital, you're making them bigger in some way. They work together, they're complements. So what does this mean for the way we think about economics? Well, you know, if you look at any paper in economics, it's always the standard format. It's never ever gonna change. Literature review. What have people found in the past? Model. This is the conceptual part. This is where people get confused. They think, if I replace this with a literature review, I'm fine. You know, there's some theory out there. I'll just say other people talk about the theory. But like, like we just said in the past, you know, well, what theory are you talking about? Love of work, social structure, uh, monetarist approach, Marxist approach, where you look at power, you know, and pyramidal social structures. And that's not a literature view. You have to use theory to guide where you shine your spotlight. So once you decide on the conceptual approach, then you work out this empirical approach with the different methods. 
And then finally, you, you say, well, what does that mean for you know, us as workers, policymakers, et cetera? And as, we, as you noted before, that you, know, the, you can't simply put the literature review because there are this potential for hundreds, thousands of different model conceptual ways we think about the effect of, gee, government spending on private sector investment or whatever else. You know, if you're a Marxist, it's completely different. So the reason why economists use models is to open the black box, is to say, we cannot see it in practice. Let us postulate different mechanisms for the way government spending is working. You know, the gears are turning, and you have some private sector investment. Theory is the only way to see inside the black box. And... We know that we can't simply run different combinations of variables. This is called data mining. Because there are literally thousands of possible theory method combos. So if you're just always regressing, always running data, 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 you're going to get so many false positives, you don't know what you're doing. And anyway, like we said, you know, a bunch of graphs, you know, dots, lines, that's not a theory. That's not an explanation. That's just dots. So the way that we have addressed this problem in the last 20, 30 years, where the other social sciences have failed to keep up, is moving from regression to, let's call it a Bayesian or a statistical approach. You know, in classical regression, you take this big multi-dimensional cloud of dots, you shine a light and you splash them right on a wall, one of the walls, you know, G, K, some variable, you know, and that's supposed to be controlling four. And, in, you know, mathematically, it's supposed to be saying, look, we're stopping the influence of something, looking at the influence of something else. That's not really how it works. And in the modern decades, what we say is, let's take the cloud as it is, and instead, let's look at, let's condition upon different vocabulary. We're not controlling for anymore. We are conditioning upon some amount of government spending growth. And for that level, let's see what happened to investment in different countries. And so if you try to run this through those big chains that I was talking about earlier, you know, where uh, government spending may affect uh, output, which may affect credit and money, which may affect blah, 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 you're keeping that cloud intact and you're simply running different things you've already seen through the cloud and seeing what the end is. Um, and so finally we, we do this, we get a new discovery and we go to the literature and we say, you know, the gap. We're all focused on gaps in the literature. You know, other people have thought these great ideas in the past and you know, those are supposed to be lights shining for our genius. And we have this new light going and we say, this is a new discovery. We've made this valuable contribution. So to kind of summarize, why do economists use models? And the answer is A, as, I, as we've seen, the data lie. If you look at 
government spending, uh, sorry, investment government spending, it's very easy to see how you could have in one country positive relationship for 2020, you know, this positive relationship for 2021, but a negative relationship over time, you know, and so basically any way you segment or stratify or, or cut the data, you could get a completely opposite result from what you're seeing now. The second reason is that there's a million different explanations for the data. The data do not speak for themselves. Uh, you know, in the figures I drew above, I just put six or seven variables. If you have 200 variables, you're just putting things in the slot machine. The third reason is that it is a disciplined approach to thinking through economic problems. In other words, we're not redrawing the boxes every time. And gee, oh, you know, it could be money. It could be uh, some crazy new cultural idea. You know, we're not redrawing the, the, the boxes and arrows. We will always have the same sectors. You know, we're always going to have someone maximizing utility subject to looking at companies, looking at households. In every single economics paper, you're always going to have a section about companies. You're going to always have a section about households. They're always doing something called maximizing consumer welfare. And that is what we agree on as a profession. That's how this, this, this wall of progress or Tower of Babel or whatever, that's how we grow it and build it over time. As we agree on something, we have data prove it. And then we go on to the next thing, right? Like I said, it's this literature. It's basically this road of progress that we're trying to contribute to. And that is the model. The model is reality. That is the way we think about life. That's, that's a view of a reality that we cannot see. And it's mutually exclusive, collectively exhaustive. So we're not just throwing variables we heard from our cousin yesterday and it's falsifiable. So we make sure that when we put our little boxes and arrows in the black box, we can say with some statistical precision that yes, this is true or this is false, but under these conditions. So every truth or falsehood has some conditions under which it's true or false. And that's probably the most important takeaway from this model-based thinking is that it gives you this rigorous set of conditions. Well, government spending does affect private investment if A, B, and C. And finally, and probably most importantly, especially if you have to read papers, is that it provides a story. It's not just data mining for data mining's own sake. I'm sure all of you have read papers where it's just, here's a bunch of variables, here's a bunch of literature, and there's a big long list of books that the author didn't read, but they have to throw them in because you know they have to look scholarly. And so here you go, that's the result. But it's not a story. We, we were so attracted to Marx because his books tell a compelling story in a compelling way. It is, art as much as it is science. And just like art uses its own models uh, and we study them in our history, what, et cetera, so does science go through its own models. And that is the reason why we attach such importance to models when doing 
any type of economics work. The end.